mean, in the end, the case for Jagerbridge inclusive growth is not economic, it's political. The stability of economies depends on a certain degree of inclusiveness. Hello, and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. I'm Bruce Edwards. Today, Nobel Prize-winning economist Michael Spence on how smart public investment can help reduce inequality. Strong economic growth helps keep people employed and healthy, at least some people. In fact, there's a growing sense in many countries that it's mostly the wealthiest portion of the population who are reaping the benefits. As part of the Millennium Development Goals laid out by the United Nations, inclusive growth is considered a key factor in stabilizing the global economy. Economist and Nobel laureate Michael Spence participated in a forum on job-rich inclusive growth hosted by the IMF last fall during their annual meetings. Reporter Jocelyn Frank sat down with Mr. Spence afterward to talk about the kinds of investments he thinks the public sector should be making. The short answer is infrastructure. You know, so the system runs well, attracts investment. If you go look at developing countries and ask what's the role of public sector investment, why is it so important? The answer is, the economist's answer to that is that when you make public, you know, good public sector investments, it creates investment opportunities on the private sector side. Or a slightly nerdier way of putting that is it raises the return to private sector investment because these complementary inputs are in place. And, you know, that sounds sort of abstract. So let me give an example. When a country builds ports and electricity generating capacity and roads and other things, it creates opportunities for foreign direct investors to come up and, and come in and set up facilities. They could be manufacturing, they could be services which now trade internationally. And the more you do of that up to a certain point, the more you're going to attract that investment and that investment will create companies and jobs. So it's not an abstract notion, it's pretty clear. The Chinese have been very good at this. India's had its ups and downs, but seems to be on a, uh, a better track now. And, and in general, when you go across the development, the same is true in the advanced countries. I mean, you, you do not want to fall behind. So I uh, think when Americans hear it, it talked about, they sort of think, well, geez, maybe a bridge will fall down. So maybe we ought to fix them, you know. And that's one element of it. But it isn't just maintenance, you know. It's high-speed networks, smart electric grids, it's secure internet and telecommunications things. And so the public sector has a very important role in that. Is there a point at which countries should realize this is working? Now it's okay. We don't need to focus as much on this broadly inclusive kind of growth. You know, I think you never really want to lose track of it. If you get behind, it takes a long time to fix it. I mean, think of the lags on the educational side. These are investments that, you know, take 15, 20 years to make, and you can have generations that are kind of caught out and so on. So there aren't many quick fixes to some aspects of this. To the question of whether or not there are subsets of people in the population who, for a variety of reasons, either are not succeeding or don't have the opportunities, that, that, that should never fall off the agenda. There's certainly many places around the world where inclusive growth 
is not a reality. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say to the countries that you know, are just really struggling and they're saying, how do we jumpstart the process towards more inclusive growth? One of the things that I learned in spending a lot of time in developing countries is that each country has its own set of challenges. You know, the patterns of inequality are different. What drives the economy is somewhat different from country to country. Some countries have natural resources. A subset of them manage them very well. Others manage them very badly. But I think what's common is the, the human capital, the knowledge and technology base of the economy, you know, the core capabilities that need to be augmented continuously in order to generate growth. We know this, that the long-run driver of growth is the supply side and it is innovation and total factor productivity. And that requires a dynamic private sector that generates technology and it requires public sector investment. If you had 30 seconds with a world leader who was not doing a great job of this, they're saying, you know, we have these baseline needs that we need to address. What would the little pep talk be? Convince them of the importance of job-rich inclusive growth. Uh, I mean, in the end, the case for job-rich inclusive growth is not economic. It's political. I mean, the stability of economies and their ability to function and societies depends on a certain degree of inclusiveness. If you have major failures of inclusiveness, you know, let's say whole groups of people who are, for whatever reason, excluded, you know, from a whole set of opportunities, they'll object, right? And it could take a violent form. It could take the form of political polarization, which means extreme policies on one or other end of the spectrum. I mean, you see examples of this if you go around the world. So my advice is pay attention to the inclusive aspect of the growth and the potential determinants because the ability of the society to function in the end depends on it. That was Nobel laureate Michael Spence, professor of economics at New York University, talking with reporter Jocelyn Frank about the importance of job-rich, inclusive growth. If you like this podcast, you can hear more at soundcloud.com slash imf-podcasts.